Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Join your host, Sam Newell, as he educates you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. Hear interviews with the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they've learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become Sam's goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. Hi there. Welcome back to the next episode on the podcast. I'm really excited for our next guest, Kajal Shahani. She's a good friend of mine. She's an investor of mine, actually, and refers a ton of business to me here in Utah. She's a top-producing, multi-million-dollar real estate agent in the Bay Area. Last year, she closed $127 million dollars in transactions. This year, her, her goal, and she's on track to hit her goal, is $150 million in personal production. She's a rock star. She's a mother of three plus a dog. And she's got a pretty cool story about how she started in real estate. Her husband, who was starting a chiropractic business, helped her get started as well. And uh, she went from closing one deal her first year to uh, last year closing $127 million in real estate. So without further ado, Kajal Shahani. All right, Kajal, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the podcast. You're so welcome. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. Well, you know, you and I have known each other now for a couple of years and you've been crushing it in real estate in the Bay Area. First time we met, you were out visiting uh, Utah for, for a ski trip with the family. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about, you know, we've shared some clients. You sent me some referrals to Utah and they've been great to work with. And uh, mostly I want to talk about your production and, and selling real estate in the Bay Area. So really quickly, just introduce yourself, who you work for and how many years you've been in the business. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kajal Shahani. Um, I'm out in the Bay Area. I've been a realtor for 18 years of which 17 years has been in the Bay Area. I was in Chicago for about a year at the beginning of my career. Okay. Chicago is a little different than the Bay Area, huh? So different. So, so different. And especially 18 years ago, so different. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, well, cool. And have you, remind me, you live in the Pleasanton area, right? I do. So I am in the East Bay, um, very close to, I'd say about 30, 40 miles away from the city, from San Francisco, about 30, 40 miles away from Silicon Valley. Awesome. So you cover quite a large area. I do. And um, well, so you've been in the business 18 years. You sell a lot of real estate and I know people love you. Like that's what's really fun is when you send me clients, I'm like, oh, Kajal's the best. They're like, oh, she's so great. She's so much fun to work with. She's so nice. And so it's always fun sharing clients with you and, and um, your referrals are much appreciated. They've, they've all been great people. So um, really quick, tell us about your production last year and where you're taking your business this year. Yeah, so um, last year was an interesting year. Um, I'd say COVID obviously changed how people buy and sell. And with the interest rates being super low, every single person wanted to do some kind of move. Um, so 2021 uh, was an exciting time to be in the business. Um, I hit 127 million in sales volume um, at the beginning of the year. It's it was kind of a kind of a funky year even to goal you know goal set because you weren't sure like what's the year going to be doing right with with COVID and what we're allowed to do what we're not allowed to do, um, but it turned out to be pretty crazy. Um, 
obviously our normal way of selling was no longer the normal way of selling. So there were no open houses until I'd say mid-year. Um, showings were very scheduled. Um, we had to make sure everybody was pre-approved, ready to jam because inventory was super low. But even to show listings and to get appointments, a lot of times we had to procure the pre-approval letter uh, right up front. So we ended up, I'd say I ended up working with um, people that, that were just offer ready in 2021. So mm -hmm. I did hit 127 million um, in sales production. And I'd say year over year, the year before was probably like 80 million. So, so wow. yeah, big jump. it was a big jump and it was unplanned. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Probably most coaches don't want me to say that, but it was yeah. unplanned. Um, but it was interesting. I had a ton of move up buyers. So a lot of my old clients decided to sell and move up. Um, I had a ton of first time home buyers. And then I had a lot of sellers that were jumping California. So a lot of my sellers moved to Utah, Texas, Arizona, North Carolina, because they were just all remote. remote. And so um, those were a lot of my listings last year. Awesome. Wow. Well, that's some huge production. I mean, I'm excited just to kind of hear how you did it. But um, $127 million, what is your average price range or, or price at that point? Yeah, for sure. So, um, and obviously prices jumped up so dramatically as well. So our av average price point the year before might have been one two to one four. Um, last year was creeping two as the average. So a lot of my first, I know, a lot of my first time home buyers uh, jumped into the market at you know around one five twenty percent downers. Um, with the overbidding, they landed closer to the one eight to two one as a first time home buyer. Holy so. Cow. Yeah, so the average price point uh, creeped up really fast. Wow, I think average first-time home buyer spends like three fifty to four fifty in Utah for yeah. you know, the townhome. You know, for twenty-three hundred square feet. Yeah, nice new townhome, maybe single family in, in the half million range. Yeah, so very different markets, but Hold Utah is increasing as well. We our average price for a long time was around three hundred thousand, and it's yeah. it's closer to four fifty right now. So yeah, I remember when you and I first started talking a couple of years ago, we were talking like in the twos. Yeah, and of course, coming from California, we called it like cheap, and we're like so yeah. excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still kind of cheap. I sent that actually to to you and a couple of your referrals. I just sent. It's a 3,500 square foot home in Salt Lake City that would be an amazing rental, has a basement apartment, three bedrooms upstairs, and then a basement apartment. Um, what was that price? $599. Oh my goodness. Has a pool, has a playground, and close to downtown Salt Lake. And um, I mean, in the Bay Area, that's what, like a three, four million dollar house? Easy. <laughs> so and it probably won't come with a pool <laughs> yeah yeah probably won't go with the pool these yeah very different markets i have to very sell uh, about five times as many houses as you to to earn yeah. the same income <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> no that's awesome so average price creeping up to two hundred thousand. um take me back to your first year and your first year in the bay area yep what did that look like and how much different are you now then as far as goals, what you do, just kind of contrast where you're at now versus where you were when you started? Oh my gosh, so different. So my first year in the Bay Area, so a, a little background, every single person in my family, except my husband is a realtor. Wow. 
So there goes my sphere of influence for yeah, your family. Yeah. So my mom, my dad, my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, um, literally everybody, but my husband and my husband's like not in the real estate space at all. He's a chiropractor. Um, and so, you know, it's like you, you listen to how to start in the business and people say, okay, first start with your family and friends. Well, my family was out of the picture <laughs> um, and half, half my friends had already purchased through my family. So it was, you know, so my first year in the business, I swear I showed up to the office so regularly so motivated I would show up I would show up like super like and at the time I had no kids I had very minimal responsibility I was married but um, nobody to take care of at home so you know I would put my time in I would do my cold calling all that kind of fun stuff um I was awful like the first year <laughs> god and, and, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't start with like oh I sold 20 homes my first year um, yeah. My first full year in the business in the Bay Area, I sold one home. This was in 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. Everybody around me was selling selling homes daily, and I was just looking at them like, "What? Like, what's going? What is wrong with me?" Um, and what I did to get through that was interesting. I um, I stuck to the basics. I did open house every single weekend, no matter what, like Saturday, Sunday, I was in it to win it internally. I was like, probably like not saying the best things to myself, but you know, internally I was saying to like, fine, I'll be here again. No one's going to walk in, you know, all that stuff. Um, but I did it consistently. And I still remember this after about four months of doing Saturday and Sunday open house consistently. Um, this one couple walked in and they were talking about downsizing. And in my head, you know, again, like the worst self-talk, I was like, they're not even, you know, they're not going to talk to me. <laughs> um, but long story short, I ended up, uh, getting a call from them a week after I met them. Of course I did the background of following up and all that fun stuff. And they said, actually, we're not a buyer. We're a potential seller. Do you mind coming to my house and taking a look at it? And gosh, I was so nervous. It was my first listing appointment. Um, oh, I just remember that feeling of like, oh, please, you know, like, please God make this work out. <laughs> um, and you know, they were the sweetest, sweetest family ever. I think I met them three times before they decided to list with me. Um, I think I prayed that whole week, you know, like it was, it was pretty intense. Like the feeling was so intense. I still remember 18 years later. And I ended up listing their home. Um, and right then the market changed. So 05 is when the market totally took a dump, right? At the end. Yeah. And we were on the market for six months. Like I wanted to cry. It oh, was, man. yeah, it was bad. So it was on the market for six months. Um, and I will reference one of my dear cousins who's a lender. Um, he had a buyer who was looking in the market and he had just backed out of another deal. And he said, Hey, your listing might be perfect for him. Uh, we showed it to him anyways, long story short, six months later, I double end that home. Yay. Uh, yeah. Like, Oh, thank God. So those, that was my only transaction my first year. So I put my heart and soul into that guy, you know, like I, you know, made it happen. And 18 years later, I've sold that family many, many, many homes um, oh, wow. and their kids and their cousins and their grandkids and all that fun stuff. And it's funny because we um, joke about how they never knew that was my first deal, which was so sweet. <laughs> yeah.
So um, that was my first year. And then my husband um, was building out a chiropractic clinic at the time we had no funds to build out his clinic. I mean, like zero, like at this point I was like borrowing money from my parents and the whole bit and God bless them. They never made me feel bad about that. Um, That's awesome. And so my husband at the time, um, he just started cold calling for me in the evenings and he started building out his own clinic. And wow. so he would build out his own clinic during the day. And then he would cold call the first month he cold called. I ended up going on eight listing appointments um, ended up converting all eight, which That's God, awesome. like, I must've had some sort of like grit in me at the time. <laughs> and those eight, um, they actually came from Fizbo's. So Fizbo's for sale by owners was a big thing back then. Like I still remember driving around seeing all these for sale by owner signs, like the market was crashing. Um, so I ended up selling all eight of those and all eight of them besides actually six out of the eight ended up buying as well. Wow. So for those, I would say between zero and four months, they all ended up buying and selling. And so that kind of like really jump-started um, getting into the California market. But I'm kind of thankful that I jumped into the market when the market wasn't so happening. Yeah. Um, so I didn't get spoiled with like, oh, the market's so hot and that's why you're selling. So that spiraled into short sales. So I kind of morphed into like getting a partner working on short sales um, and then by year two, year three, of course, that's when natural progression of getting referred, um, you do it for the right reasons. You're there at that time. I remember no one was buying, um, right. now in retrospect, I wish we all bought then. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so I'd say, oh, like, oh, seven, 2007 to 2011, 12 ish is when the market was just crap. Right. But right. Right. I actually, when I look back at my sale, I think I was like at 30 to 40 deals a year during that time. Mm -hmm. um, and that just spiraled. And I started, you know, farming at that time. And I didn't, I still didn't have like the funds to go crazy on postage or anything. So I started door knocking. Um, so it morphed into all these other things. And now 18 years later, I would say 90, well, like 85% of my business is referrals. Um, 15% is just, you know, farm. Um, I do, I do farm extremely regularly. I'm very consistent with it. I have a partner, um, for one of them. My other farm is just me. Um, mailers go out twice a week. Now I'm at the point where if I'm physically in the farm, neighbors will walk out and say, hi, you know, those kind of things. But, um, so I'd say 15%, maybe 20% in 2021 because leads just came from from random places like sign calls and stuff um, mm -hmm. but the remainder are are referrals and repeat business that's awesome you, you answered a few yeah that's <laughs> awesome you answered a few questions that I was going to ask so right now you're getting at least 80% of your business from referrals which yeah. that's the realtor dream you know you don't have to cold yeah. call really anymore you don't have to do too much marketing you're doing some farming which is awesome yeah. um but you said something that really stuck out and i think realtors new realtors anybody listening to the podcast really needs to make sure they focus on this two things actually i wanted to point out one was you're doing this for the right reasons and you're there for the client and that's huge because if they smell commission breath on you if oh. all you care about is that commission they're yeah. going to feel that and they're right. not going to send you their business and they're not going to be happy throughout the transaction. Yeah. 
And um, the second thing was consistency. You've consistently door knocked, cold called. Your husband cold call, called for you. That's amazing. I yeah. mean, that's, that's so cool. That's, that's a really cool story. But mm-hmm. consistency and caring are two huge, huge things. You know, the the, the sign or the, the picture on the wall right behind me is the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. Um, you took eight out of eight FISBO listings. That's awesome. You and your husband were working the, the business the right way and consistently working hard. Um, my business as well. When I, I didn't know anybody in Utah, I was a college student when I started real estate in 2010, yeah. didn't know anyone. So I didn't have this friends and family. I, I grew up in yeah. Boise, Idaho. Um, so I started calling Fizbos and expired and the market was crap. We were at the bottom. No one had equity to sell their house. Yep. I just remember, and, and I don't know if you remember this, but you'd go on a listing appointment and I just remember the dejection and the sadness when you told people what their house was worth or the anger. People or the anger. It yeah. gets so mad. You told them their house is worth 300,000 and they'd say, well, we bought it for 400. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah. Wait another couple of years to sell and they'd be yeah. really frustrated. And it was a very different market to sell in. So all these realtors that are new in the business, killing it, just, they don't yeah. know what that market, they don't know what you've been through. And I've been through as far as yeah, I was selling 50% of the listings I took because 50% yeah. of them would just sit because they needed too much money to be able to sell. They didn't want a short sale and yeah, no, for sure. And I remember going into appointments thinking, oh God, this guy or this family is going to be super pissed. And a lot of them, I remember um, I went on a few appointments where I just couldn't take it because it just didn't make sense. They were not willing to short sale. They couldn't take the hit and you just had to say no to it. Which yep. is like so crazy. Think about going to a listing appointment now and saying no to a listing. Like, yeah, no. I list everything I can get my hands on now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but very yeah. different market. So I'm, I'm super thankful that I started then versus when the market was popping and everything was selling. Yeah, yeah. It's good to know how tough it could be. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, I hit um, 106 deals in 2018 on my own, no team, um, you know, over a million gross gross income. Those commissions. Um, and some of the things that helped me get there was working with investors, which, you know, you and a lot of agents in California send me a lot of referrals. So thank you for that. Um, but I really learned a, a few systems and, and the number one system was follow up yeah. and following up with my sphere of influence and consistently, um, you know, if you're a new agent looking to get into this business, you've got to reach out to your sphere. I just hired a new buyer's agent and we're working on videos and postcards and calls to go out to your sphere of influence and get yeah. some referrals. And then what is your client care system? You know, do you make sure you call your listings every week with a listing report? So tell us a little bit about how you take care of your buyers and sellers on a weekly basis, how you communicate with them yeah. and how you make these people feel like you care. Yeah. And it's so, you know, honestly, that's a, such a good question, especially right now when buyers are getting really disheartened in this market, mm-hmm. they're getting, they're getting bid out, they're getting priced out. Um, they're seeing their dream homes go up like by a million within like six to eight months. And they know yeah. they have to kind of like reevaluate. So actually it was so funny. I was just talking to um, my realtor friends about this this week because a few of them, like we were just chatting over text and call saying like, how do you keep going like how do you keep offering knowing that you're not going to get these houses but you need to be there for your client so I think for buyers and sellers it's so different right now for buyers 
um, keeping their, it's so funny. Actually, the other day I did like this little like video on like FOMO buying because mm -hmm. it, that's what it's becoming. Like these buyers are like, oh my God, oh my God. I'm like never going to buy a house and the interest rates are going to explode and there's going to be nothing available in California anymore. Yeah. So you have to like, kind of like really manage their emotions and make them realize like, no, this is not going to last forever. We, I've been through 18 years of ups and downs, nothing ever lasts. Like this market's not going to last, you know, once the interest rates tick up inventory, there's going to be a shift in the market every couple of months. It happens always stick to it, make your offers based on comps. Like the quicker you get a grasp of how to like win, I hate using that word, but like win in this market, the quicker you're going to get your dream home. But even with dream homes, like nobody is going to get a hundred percent of what they want in a home. Right. So as long right. as they can understand 60, 70% of your need list, there's certain negotiables or certain non-negotiables. So chatting with them about that, but then also kind of sharing data. So I just had a client come to me two days ago saying, Hey, I'm just jumping in the market. I was referred to you. Um, I'm looking up to 2 million and they gave me the zip code. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this poor guy, like <laughs> 2 million in this zip code is non-existent. <laughs> right. Um, and so it was kind of nice to just give it to them how it is from day one versus <laughs> flowering up like hey let's get started we'll see what happens it's more like hey in this zip code if you realistically want you know these bullet points in a house you're going to end up spending this much if this doesn't work let's think of different areas let's think of perhaps a smaller home um and that was such a nicer conversation to have than starting the search and two weeks in or three weeks in they're just pissed you know or they're just yeah. like oh nothing's coming on that's so really smart i try to talk to them as much as possible. Um, and so, so you're managing their expectations is what you're doing. Yes. You're helping them come back down to earth. Yes. Here's where the market is really at. Let me manage yep. your expectations so that, you know, and, and as a buyer's agent, you just, you don't want to write 5 million offers. No. Like it's tiring and they get mad. They get frustrated. They get frustrated. And, and I always tell them that too. It's like to submit an offer is no sweat off my back. I can do it in a heartbeat. I can do it in the car, like no problem. Uh, what takes effort is to call you and say, oops, you got rejected again. Like after a while, you're just, and you, it's not, it's not going to work. So um, the other thing I do, uh, especially with like newer buyers is kind of share the last 30 days data before we start looking. So while we're chatting, I'll say, well, this home here, look at this listing beautiful that was listed at one five, but where did it really go? It right. sold for two one. And so when they see those kinds of numbers, because what happens is they're scrolling online. All they're doing is paying attention to the list price. Right. They don't bother to look back to see what it actually closed for. Mm -hmm. So that Delta is so interesting to talk about. And I'll usually back it out and say, well, it had no location flaw. It was updated da, 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 versus this one that sold for perhaps one eight, but it still went over asking and it was an original condition. So right. this price is some arbitrary number in this market, right? And so I think a lot of buyers need to understand that before jumping into the market. And that's what I like to explain. Um, I do a lot of text. Like, in fact, if I look you probably, Sam, you probably know. This. I, get, I get a few from you. Like I'll randomly have a thought and be like, Sam, what do you think of this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's super, great. 
You will, and it's like probably super random for the person who gets it. But then if I don't text right then, because it's in my head, I'll totally forget. So sometimes my buyers will get a random text from me saying, hey, this house is coming soon. This is my price expectation. They may not reply to me for like a week and that's cool. But at least I know I got it to them. We can talk about it when the time comes or they'll reply and say, hey, I actually would be interested in this. Um, keep me posted. So I try to send as much information as I can. I know everyone's working. Um, they may not reply all the time and that's totally fine. Um, sellers on the other hand, it's interesting. So um, Sellers, obviously, I mean, they're like kings of the castle right now. Right? Right. They're, they're, they're sitting pretty. They're sitting pretty. So um, working up to the listing, my goal um, is to kind of map it out, give them next steps calendar. My goal is once you sign with me, make it as easy as possible for them. I try to take everything off their plate as much as possible. Um, once we go live, I try really hard to go live on a Wednesday, Thursday strategically, and then have an offer date of Wednesday um, so that I can get earnest money deposit before the weekend. Anyways, that's the process part of it. But such a crazy market right now. I remember the days oh. when I would, I called it the sale after the sale, like, okay, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, if we get zero offers and zero interest in the first two weeks, we're priced too high. You know, what we want is, you know, um, a, a number of showings and one to two offers in the first month, and uh, maybe it'll be a good enough offer to sell. Yeah. I just remember having those conversations and I would, my system was, is I would text them, email them and call them every Monday with showing reports and updates and yes. what I didn't like about their house. And, and now it's like, if we price it anywhere close to where it should be, we should have 15 offers. Totally, totally. And totally that's changed. exactly, yeah. So, so I usually tell them because I tell them the weekend is so nutty. I'll have like 60 to 80 showings on a listing. There's mm -hmm. no humanly possible. There's no humanly possible way to give you feedback before my day. <laughs> like I just can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I usually tell them like, sit tight. Don't think about your house till Monday on Monday morning. I get back to them over email or text with the feedback. And then if we need to follow up with the call, we do that. Um, a lot of my sellers, have trust in the process, but they have trust in the process because they're getting what they want, right? Yeah. I have a handful of listings last year and then even this year that didn't get that experience. They mm -hmm. shockingly stayed on the market for like two, three weeks, which like we're so spoiled to even say that. <laughs> um, and that two three actually, weeks. Oh man. Yeah. So we just had one go pending today and it was on the market for 10 days, which was hurting my ego because I was like That's 10 so days. <laughs> That's but so um, managing that emotion is interesting because it's, mm -hmm. they see everything flying off the market and the one house that doesn't, it's usually like a location flaw, a floor plan flaw or something. It's not even yeah. condition anymore. Right. Um, but for them, I try really hard, like every showing we have, I share feedback right away. So they're not wondering and thinking and getting in their own head. But for mm -hmm. the most part, seller expectations, as long as you stick to a calendar, you give them like proper list price versus what we think it's going to go for um sellers feedback is great because they're going to be happy with the feedback it's the buyers right now that yeah like i just kind of want to give them it's a hug, cup of coffee yeah <laughs> yeah that's what i used to do with my sellers you know when i was i was yeah. primarily a listing agent and give them a hug a verbal hug and say yeah. hey we're gonna keep working our butts off market your home and yeah and you're doing you're doing that with buyers now and and yep. i have many buyers where 
with my buyer's agents, they're writing an offer every couple of days. Yeah. And it's, it's really tough stuff. You know, actually Ninad, who uh, you sent over, yeah. he said, oh yeah, I want that one. But he answered me four days after I sent the email. It was already pending probably. And I, and I said, it sold the second day. Yeah. So sorry, let's, let's, let's make sure we get on the same page the same day I send you something next time. So yeah, it's, it's a tough market, but yeah. Um, so if you were a new agent and we, I know you don't have a ton of time, so you've got to go pick up the kids from school. Yeah. So I want to make sure I ask you two really important questions. What, what are the top, you know, if, if I was a new agent and I only had an hour a day because yeah. I work my, my full-time job and I'm trying to break into real estate, what are the top three things you do every day? Yeah, for sure. So, um, as a new agent, I think setting up a farm and becoming the expert in that farm is like crucial and it takes so much time. You just have to stick to it. So mm -hmm. checking in on the market pulse of your area is so important. Knowing what's being sold in your market is so important. I find new agents get stuck in the process. And I remember being like this year one where I was like darting, like that feeling of like, I wanted to be everywhere, but I didn't really know where I was going because I didn't have any appointments. So you're just right. spiraling. Um, but knowing, like studying the market, knowing what's being sold, how much over did it go? How many offers? Any intel you can get on the market to share that with your database, to share that with your clients is so powerful because you want to be the educator, not even necessarily the realtor, just educate people and they'll come to right. you. I think that's right. so important. Um, I think number two is stick to a schedule because it's so easy. It's so easy not to have a schedule in this business. But mm -hmm. I think if you stick to it where you say between, so for me, like between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m., that's kind of my admin work hours where everybody, it's super quiet in my house. I bang out my emails, my disclosure, whatever I need to do online. Mm -hmm. um, and then the rest of the day, if I'm not on admin work or computer work, it's okay because it's already been done. Um, nice. So sticking to a schedule. And then number three, I think if somebody is, and I'm not, I'm not going to claim that I cold call because I don't at all. But if that's part of your uh, process, if that's part of your um, marketing, I would say stick to your calling and mailing schedule and checking in to make sure that you are calling the expireds. And it's hard because right now I say expired, but there's really no expireds, right? right? There's but a few gizbos. <laughs> there's a few, but not, <laughs> I not mean, there's, yeah, there's not, but uh, whatever that is. So whether that's a cold call or whether that's a door knock or whether you're doing something online, just checking in with that on a daily. So you have like a pulse on that part of it too. So you're not losing sight of what's going out. Um, even if that's like posting on social media, making yeah, sure that it's like smart. scheduled in that one hour. Well, and then in today's world, your farm is your social media. So that should be one of your farms and, yeah. and you should do professional, nice looking content. And you've always got great stuff going out that looks really good. And that's how people will hire you. They know that if they hire you, their house is going to look great. The marketing yeah. is going to look great. Use professional photography, yeah. spend a little bit of money um, totally. and, and do professional stuff. So I just hired this new agent and that's what I have her doing. I said, pick a neighborhood that has high turnover. There's yep. a lot of sales in that neighborhood totally. and go farm it. Number yep. two, we're going to put your database in a CRM. We're going to yep. send professional, really good looking stuff to them through yeah. email, texts, phone calls, and also on your social media. If you basically farm those two uh, lead sources, yeah. that's 
in my mind, the most effective thing you can do in this market, because you're right, there's not a lot of FISBOs or expireds. 80% of my business was expireds and FISBOs back when I started for the first five years, because there was a ton of them. There was a ton of them. I was taking, you know, one listing a week on average from FISBO or or expireds. So now you've got to change and make sure you farm the the right type of farm. And and that's, in my mind, sphere of influence. And, um, Pick a, pick a neighborhood with high turnover. Yeah, so last question. Townhouses are great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those townhouses that I've sold to a lot of your clients and yeah. friends, and um, it's really great. But you've got to run, pick up the kids. So I did want to ask one last question. Um, you know, I was able to meet your family back in yeah. October when I was out there in the Bay Area. I had a great, great time at dinner. But yeah. um, I enjoy real estate because it's very flexible. And I, okay. I work from home and, and I am totally. I'm a dad 50% of the time. I, yeah. They're with their mom 50% of the time, but when they're with me, I get to be very flexible and, and I love what I do. So tell me how your family integrates and and uh, what you've enjoyed about doing that. Yeah, for sure. So um, I like that you used integrate because I don't think it's like a balancing act anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's no balance. <laughs> um, there there really isn't any balance. So, um, so I have three kids. Uh, my oldest is 11 and then I have twins that are eight. And then I have a dog that might've, you've seen in the video running around. Yeah. But um, so my schedule is extremely flexible, probably just like yours. So when I'm in mom mode and I'm at soccer practice or dance practice or basketball or a tutor, whatever the case may be, um, I'm sitting in the car working and calling. So if I have to schedule a call between 3.30 and 5.30, like no problem because I'm sitting in the car. So while I'm sitting there, there's one or two other kids doing homework with me while I'm on a call (laughs) and the third kid is in some sort of class of some sort. Um, it doesn't bother me one bit. I'm just super equipped with my hotspot, my laptop. It's always with me. Um, I need to be fed at all times. So I always make sure (laughs) I have like my water and my snacks. Um, and then simultaneously, like I literally take the dog and usually when I'm out and about on a call, I'm, I'm kind of a pacer. So so while I'm on a call, I throw my AirPods in and the dog's running around and the kids, one of my kids is taking the dog for a walk. So, um, I awesome. just, yeah, and you just, you just get it done, but I'm super flexible. I'm super prideful of never missing a soccer game, never missing a basketball game, never missing a dance show. And I'm super duper prideful of that because especially in 2020 and 2021, when the kids were home, um, they just became they They were just part of my work life. Right. And yeah. so a lot of times when we were driving home and if they saw somebody else's sign, they'd be like, mom, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> they call you out, huh? Yeah, they totally call you out. And they they're very aware of what I do and they're very aware of what it takes, which I think is super cool. So it's not like this hidden job that I have. Um, and they're very much part of it. And their friends and um, friends, parents, a lot of them use me as well. Um, and in my head, I'm like, that's a referral fee to so-and-so kid, you know, and I have like yeah. a little, you know, <laughs> so, um, and actually true story. It's like, I think one of the syndications I did with you, uh, in my head, that was what I did was I took the referral fee that I would have given to my 11 year old mm-hmm. um, that she doesn't know about. And now she will, if she listens to this and I threw it into a syndication for her. So, um, that's awesome. 
So those are the, those are kind of the things, but yeah, they're, they're, I think making them aware of what I do and no mommy's just not running around in sweats all day, like talking to her friends on the phone. I'm running around in sweats. True. However, <laughs> making it happen, <laughs> making it happen, doing deals. Yeah. But I am very mindful though. I'm super, I never thought in a million years, I would be soccer mom, basketball mom, dance mom. Never. I never played a sport. Okay. I'm, so, I'm so in it that I cannot be on a phone call if I'm at a game because I'll start screaming because I get really, really, <laughs> um, and my older daughter dances and she has these shows and she, they go on for two days. And so during those two days, my clients are very aware that I'll respond to a text, but Hey, I'll talk to you on Friday and Monday. Cause I'm not around over the weekend. So that's obviously a new thing. I wasn't like this as a new agent, as a new agent, I was like super, super, not scheduled and I did anything I can to make work happen. And I'm super thankful that I started my career with no kids, but a lot of people are starting their career with kids. Yeah. So for realtors that have kids stick to your schedule and I swear it'll make your life so much easier. I love it. And I love that you've integrated your kids. They watch you work. Yeah. I've been taking my daughter Heidi on appointments since she was six weeks old yeah. and she's traveled to Boise with me on when she was or to do uh, multifamily projects in Boise, and um, she, she's been all over the all over Utah doing appointments with me. And so is Liam now. Um, but I love love that. So you have three kids plus a dog. They're usually in the afternoons working on homework or hanging out with you while you work. And I, I think that's great. It's good for them to see their mom working hard and taking care of people. But um, we appreciate you. I think you got to run right now. But you've invested with us in multifamily, so thank you for that. You're sending referrals our way and. I'd love to pay you a bunch of referral fees this yeah. year, so keep sending them over, and i um, excited to have this podcast air, and I just think you're a huge inspiration, and, and again, for those listening, 127 million closed last year. You think you're going to do more this year? I bet you'd be close to 150 at least. Yeah, I mean, my goal is to cross 150, so if I hit 150, I'll be thrilled. If I cross it, hey, cherry on top. But yeah, that's that's my goal right now. Uh, my January was at 19 and a half million. Um, okay. So hopefully it continues. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, that's a little bit different than closing one deal in your first year. Totally, totally. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on. And thank um, again, thank you so much for, for everything. And I'm excited to air this episode. I'll, I'll make sure I reach out when it does. 